Let's open up our Bibles uh, to Exodus uh, chapter 33. Ray, it's always good to see you, friend. Uh, Let's dive right into it. Exodus 33, verse 18. Um, Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. I want to, this is Moses saying, I want to see you. Has anyone ever thought that thought? I want to see you. Let me keep going. The Lord replied. He makes a few uh, sidebar statements that are incredibly important. But he says, the Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will call out my name Yahweh before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose. And I will show compassion to anyone I choose. Now here we go. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live, the Lord continued. Look, stand near me on this rock. As my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind, but my face will not be seen. So this is a very interesting conversation. Maybe some of you have had this conversation with God out loud or just in your mind. But this is Moses saying, look, I'm going through a rough time and I need to see you. I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been there a billion times. I believe in you, but I need to see something. Have you ever been there? It's kind of a scary prayer. But, and even if it's not, I want to see you, it's, I need you to show me that you're involved here. I need to know that you're, you're in this. And if you just show me something, a fire in the sky, a burning bush, something, then my faith will grow. But my faith in you, I'm just, I'm just kind of putting some language to my prayer. My faith is low right now. If you just let me see something, my faith will increase. Have you ever been in a season where you just feel like there is no end to this season? I'm incredibly discouraged. And anytime I think I see the end of the tunnel... It ends up being a train and things just get worse. I need some type of assurance that you're here, that you're with me, that you're involved. Is that asking too much? That's what I'm going to be talking about for the next few weeks. And, and, And Moses is saying that. I need to know. Come on, show me something here. And so God says this, okay, I'm going to show you me, but I can't show you my face. Because if I show you my face, you're going to die. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you, go get in that mountain and hide in the cleft of the rock. And as I pass by you, I'm going to take my hand, which is cool, and just cover you up. Now, how big is God? (laughs) 
my whole body just cover you up. And as I pass by, I'm going to cover you up. And as soon as I get past you, I'm going to let you see my back. This is what's going to happen. And so for the next few minutes, I'm going to talk about that entire experience. And I'm going to give us four points in doing it on why God seems to hide in the first place. And around my third point, I'm going to circle back around to that story and just kind of tie it in. Are you guys ready? Why does God hide? Number one is he wants you to seek him. He wants you to say, I love you. I want to know more of you. And here I come. Now, before we get upset about his personality... Let's recognize that you and I are that way too. When I met Allie, I was kind of a little sensitive about, am I calling her too much? I want her to call me a little bit. Allie wanted to play hard to get, like a typical Canadian. <laughs> and I'm calling her, calling her, calling her, calling her, calling her. And I'm like, if she, uh, I'm going to stop calling. And how immature am I? I'm going to stop calling until she calls me. But aren't we that way? We don't want to be in a relationship where it seems to kind of be one-sided. The Lord is no different. He, I, I want you to seek me. And so there's going to be times where I'm going to hide. Next week, I'm going to talk about in, in uh, Isaiah. Isaiah says, you are a God who hides himself. This is no secret. He hides himself, but he wants to be sought after. Now, seeking God is an interesting uh, dynamic. Uh, Brother Dwayne, why don't you uh, help me out real quick? Have you guys ever seen anyone on the beach uh, or, or in their yard walking around with something like this? You know, <laughs> every time I see a guy walking around like this on the beach, I just stare at him for hours. I don't know why. I'm just like staring, hoping he's going to find something, you know? It's like, come on, man, just stay with it, stay with it. And he's just kind of like, it's kind of a mindless search. Because this thing's like, beep, 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 beep. And he's waiting for it to go, beep, 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 beep. And then all of a sudden, oh, well, I think I found something. But he's just kind of looking around and, you know, this just, it's kind of a mindless search. And, and the, Jesus is, is very interesting. Uh, he wants to be sought after. But he doesn't want us to search for him with just our mind because it's not our mind that he wants he wants our heart do you see what I mean I'll give my math teacher my mind do you see but he wants our heart so he wants us to search for him with our heart now how exactly do you do that it's it's actually not as complicated as it sounds Searching for God with your heart is putting your mind's attention and your heart's affection on him several times during the day where you just kind of talk to him. You kind of talk to him. You talk to him. And this is what the Bible says in Jeremiah 29 verse 13. It says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. In other words, he's admitting 
not everybody's going to be able to just find me anytime they want to. But if you search for me, not just with your head, like, oh, I sure will. I don't understand where God is. Where's God right now? Where is God? Well, you know, clearly I'm in a tough situation. Where's God? Where's God? It is so easy to just be in the peanut gallery and go, well, I don't go to church because, you know, where can God be? If there's all this hurt in the world, how can there be a God? The next time somebody says that to you, I'm going to give you a, a the, the Bible says that we should be equipped to defend our faith. The next time somebody says, well, the reason why I don't believe in God is because how can there be so much hurt in the world and there still be a God? They're just, it's just a mindless thing. Say back to them. Don't be a smart mouth about it. Say it sincere. Say it. How many books have you read on that topic? You don't have to say anything else. How many books have you read on that topic? Because over the last 2,000 years, they're not the only one that's ever thought that thought. There's been thousands of books written on that thought. And so there, on another series, I'm going to tackle that whole thing on, on why there's evil in the world. Should I just give you a little thumbnail? Since I cracked that open, dear God, let me say it fast. All right, I'm going to give you a part of a sermon that has nothing to do with this sermon. It's supposed to be like 50 sermons down the road, but I opened it up, so here it goes. Here we go. If you could press a button and destroy every evil person in the world, would you do it? Would you do it? Just beep, boom, all the evil is gone. Because that's what we're saying when we say, if God was really there, all the evil would be gone. How can there be a God and there be evil at the same time? Well, let's put you in God's position. If you were God, could you go, beep, boom, all the evil is God. Would you press the button? Now, before you answer... Have you done any evil? Have you committed any sins? Well, yeah, but that's evil. Oh, okay, okay, okay. All right, so not you want to determine what's evil and what's not evil. But the people that you want to blow up, they don't think they're evil. So... As long as you get to blow up who you want to blow up, it's a good idea. Just as long as it's not our evil that's being judged. That's a sermon for another day. Okay, going back around. God does not, that was for free, okay? Now, it, God wants us to seek him with our heart and with our spirit and, and just, just everything in him. He, he wants that. And he says this in, in Proverbs chapter um, 8, verse 17. I love those who love me and those who seek me will find me. If you do seek me, if you do get courageous enough to actually pray to the best of your ability and not seek me like this. If you do, you will find me, which implies if you don't, you won't. 
So most of the time when we're complaining, where's God? We're talking to each other. We're not talking to him. And so the Lord's saying, if you do seek me to the best of your ability, you will find me. But if you don't, you won't. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, it'll be open. I'm not going to knock and I'm not going to seek. I'm just wondering, where the heck are you? Sometimes we can do that. But the Lord does hide himself because he wants to be sought after. He wants it. And now we may say, I don't want to seek after you. I just want you to like, pop, 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 pop. That's not how he operates. When he hides, though, he wants to be found. He wants to be found. My father used to play hide and seek with my brother and I, and he would leave his arm out or his foot out or his head out because he wanted us to find him. God is the same way. Let me see if we can illustrate this through video. Check this out. Pastor Lance, our children's pastor, and his daughter, and I want to say thank you to my brother for producing that. Didn't they do a great job? He wants to be sought after. Number two, um, there is a, a part of this whole finding God thing that has a steel dynamic to it. Anytime God feels distance, he's testing your steel. Let me give you uh, an example. You see, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, God would spend time with them very personally. He would just walk around the garden with them. But he wouldn't be with them every single second. Because God wanted to know, hey, when I'm not here, are you guys still acting the same way as when I'm not here? And so he'd step away and then he'd come back and in the cool of the evening he'd always show up but he'd give them the afternoons and mornings to be alone and do whatever newly married couples do that are walking around naked. <laughs> and so one time he left them alone and then he came back and all of a sudden he couldn't find them. He's like, Adam, 
And the Bible says that he started calling out, Adam, Adam, Eve, where are you guys? He left them alone for a little while. And what do they do? They start baking apple pies. He told them, don't eat of the fruit. They eat of the fruit. And in the same token, the Lord backs away sometimes, doesn't leave you, but almost hides himself to see, hey, when you're not feeling my presence, when the exact opposite is happening, where you're being tempted or you're discouraged or you're depressed and you got overlooked for the raise. You've been believing God to be married and, and you're, you've been single far too long. What do you do then? Sometimes he hides himself so our steel can be tested. You know, my, my father's steel was tested in a way that uh, I'll never ever forget. He's, he pastors a, a church in Humble. Um, he's always been in the ministry as long as I've been alive. Um, but he had a rough patch. He had a rough patch. I think my parents were married for 15 years and, and my mom left my dad and, uh, it was just me and my dad. And so my younger, my two younger brothers went with my mom, uh, and my younger sister went with my mom. And so my dad was in Kingwood. We had moved from Florida back to Texas, uh, after the divorce and, um, he was driving up Kingwood Parkway. And the only reason why I know this story is because he was preaching one day and I was sitting in the audience and I heard it. But I've never seen my dad cry. Uh, Adam and Toby Cantu know my, parent, my dad very well and, and he's just not the emotional kind. I've never seen him cry. Uh, if you come to church here a little while, you're going to see me cry. I'm a crier. But my dad's not a crier. But he was telling this story about how he was driving up Kingwood Parkway right after the divorce and he was crying. And he started talking to Satan in his car. And he said, Satan, you have taken everything I have. You have taken my marriage. You have taken my kids. You have taken my ministry. I, I can't preach right now. I can't teach right now. I, I, the church won't accept me right now. I have no money. You have taken everything that I have. And he's crying. And then I remembered distinctly. Uh, I didn't say this in the first service, but I just remembered it. We were so hurting for money that we couldn't afford to get our sticker done on the car. Which if my memory serves me correct, it's like 30 bucks or 35 bucks to get your sticker changed out. But we didn't have 35 bucks. And every time we'd drive down this particular road or this particular road, we knew there were cops on it and we would be sweating bullets. I'll never forget, a cop pulled us over one time and my dad started begging. Before you put your pen on that paper, but hold on, hold on. I just lost my wife and I'll never forget, my dad was begging over 35 bucks. Well, to some of you that may just seem crazy, but if you've ever been there, $35 feels like $1,000. And uh, he said, you have taken everything that I have. And he started banging his hand on the steering wheel. Tears running down his face. And he said, Satan, what do you think I'm going to do? Do you think I'm going to stop? 
just because you've taken everything away from me, do you think I'm going to stop praying? Do you think I'm going to stop worshiping? Do you think I'm going to turn my back on God? Do you think I'm going to stop going to church just because I'm not the one preaching? What do you think I'm going to do? Did you think I was going to stop just because you took everything away? I'm never going to stop. And he starts bang. I'm never going to stop. Never. Take whatever you want away. I'm never, ever, ever, ever going to stop worshiping him and praising him. He already died for me. And if he never does anything else for me again I'm still going to bang, bang, bang bang, bang, bang yeah. you know as, a, as a, when I was listening to him preach I thought man my dad's got steel my dad's got a jaw of steel you know Mike Tyson said everybody has a plan until they get punched Never forget that. Everybody has a plan until they get punched. Everybody can say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in you. But go ahead and get punched. When it's your turn to get your steel tested, now what do you do? Do you just fold like a cheap suit? Or do you back up and get a little angry about it and say, what do you think is going to happen right now? Do you think I'm going to stop? Do you think I'm going to stop going to church? I just got fired. I know. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. What do you think I'm going to do? You think I'm going to get mad at God and just run away? What do you think I am? My father was getting his steel test. I wanted to let you know that finding God, the process of finding God, involves testing your steel. It involves whether or not we are going to seek for him. It involves that. And I just want to say, if you're a parent in this room, more is caught than taught. You will teach what you know and reproduce who you are. If you're a parent in this room and you have your kids in children's church or wherever, it's one of the wisest things you'll ever do because your kids are going to grow up and they're going to say, my mommy and my daddy said some things that they shouldn't have said, but one thing's for sure, they had a drug problem. They drugged me to church every Sunday. (laughs) And you know what's going to happen? You're going to reproduce yourself. They're going to get older and the hurricane is going to come to their house just like it comes to ours because the Bible says as long as you're on this earth, trouble is going to come. And what are they going to do? They're going to do exactly what they saw you do. March yourself right into the church. They're going to, they're going to sin. They're going to say things they wish they didn't say. And what are they going to do? They're going to march right into the church because you teach what you know, reproduce who you are, and that's what's going to happen. And now I'm telling you, my wife, Life has been through, you know how it is. From the outside, everybody looks good. It, I, I don't, I'm not saying I look good, but I'm just saying behind the scenes, <laughs> that was awkward. Jeez. Um, <laughs> uh, behind the scenes, we've, we've had some trouble, but my dad passed me the right baton. And I, and I would hope to say that my kids would say, my, my daddy has steel. And and my kids are going to have some steel. So they're searching their steel. And then there's number three, stealth. God moves stealthy, like a stealth plane. And he proves this to us in the searching part. Let, let me explain. Let me talk about a stealth for a minute, just because it's fun and it's a great parallel. The goal of stealth technology is to make an airplane invisible to radar. The stealth aircraft is made up of completely flat surfaces and very sharp edges. 
When a radar signal hits a stealth plane, the signal reflects away, away at an angle. In addition, surfaces on a stealth aircraft can be treated so that they absorb the radar energy as well. God moves in a stealth way. In the process of it all, of seeking and looking for him, he proves to us that he moves in a way that we can't understand. So going back to the opening passage, Moses is saying, God, I want to see you. And so God says, okay, okay, I'm going I'm to let you see me. And he says, but I'm only going to let you see my back. I'm going to cover you up. And so theologians have been discussing this passage for centuries. And as they argue, and as they debate, and as they pick it apart, they say that the term back is actually a euphemism. That means to see where I just was. And so if you pull out the term back, the scripture actually reads like this. If you see me, if you see my face, you're going to die. But what I am going to let you see is where I just was. That's what I am going to let you see. You see, it's a fascinating thing that when God moves, we actually see that what just happened is where God was. It's amazing how that works. Let me see if I can dissect this. I want to see you, God. I want to see you, God. God, where are you? I need you to move. I need you to move. Now, God moves very stealth. I need, to, to let me know if you've ever been anywhere like this. Do you see my situation? Come on. Are you going to help me? And then you turn around and you look. And before you know it, you're out of that problem. And you're in a completely different problem. But the new problem is so intense, you didn't notice that the problem you were praying about is gone. Because we can only see where God was. We can't look at his face. I noticed this a few years back, and so I decided I'm going to start writing down my problems. So I remember I'd write in March, boom, boom, boom. I had four big problems. I've done this many times. I look at it. it. God, do you see this? I'm holding it up. Just in case you're so far in heaven, you can't see it. I wrote it real big. Can you see this? I, I pray crazy. Can you see this? And when you know, I'm praying, I'm searching with everything I have in me, my heart, my mind. I'm not just going through the motions going, I have problems. I have problems. That's why I don't go to church. I have problems. No, no, no. God, I need you. If you don't help me, this is not getting any better. I need you. And by the time I get to June, July, I look back at that list and I'm like, oh, I forgot about that. I forgot I had that problem. Why did I forget about that problem? Because I got a new problem. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm concerned about my new problem. God in his 
stealth way came in and moved this person here, that person here, this person here, that person here, this person said this, and this person said this, and that person said this, and this person. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm praying about something else. He is stealth. He does not operate using our senses, our eyes, our mouth, our, our taste, our hands, our ears. That's why we look back and we go, Frankie, this doesn't make any You got it. This doesn't make any sense because he supersedes all of our senses. He's stealth and he likes to prove it. Number four, last and final, is sons and daughters. In the hiding moments, see there's some times where it doesn't feel like he's hiding at all. Particularly on a Sunday morning, it just feels like he's like, we can just feel his presence. They're, they're singing wonderful songs and, you know, we're surrounded by our family. We can just feel the presence of God. He just feels good in here. But then there's other times where it feels like he's a billion miles away. In that process, not only is there the seeking, not only are we getting our steel tested, and not only is that stealth moment happening so he can teach us more how he operates, but he's looking for sons and daughters. He's not looking for Christians. He could care less about Christians. Do you know what a Christian is? This isn't shock value. A Christian is anybody who believes in Christ. That includes Satan. Satan knows that Christ exists. That's why in the Bible he said, go and make disciples. What's the difference between a disciple and a Christian? A disciple is a son or a daughter that says, I want to be like you. Whatever's important to you is important to me. And that's why I've been talking about the importance of, of bringing friends to church because that's what's important to him. So it's just whatever's important. I want to walk like you. I want to think like you. I want to, whatever you would say in this moment, when you look at somebody, you want to say, shut your fat mouth. You're like, okay, okay, before, I want to be like you. Koji, are you here? Koji? Koji Makai? Yes, I'm so happy you're here. Come on over here, Koji. Uh, I know you don't know him, but pretend like you do. Give him a round of applause. All right, so, so Koji, uh, if I believe in Koji, like I believe in Jesus, if I believe in Jesus, I'm a Christian, I, I could be a Kojian, okay? Because <laughs> I believe in him. There he is, right there with that awesome haircut. <laughs> so I believe in him. But if, if I don't want to just be a Kojian, I want to be a disciple of Koji. That means I want to do everything like Koji. So, and that includes Koji, however you eat, I want to eat like you. How, however you think, I want to think like you. However you walk, go ahead and walk. I, I want to walk like you. I, I, just whatever, I just however you move. Okay, now you're going to get fancy, all right. You know, if you walk, I, I, however you do, even if you do it, if you put a little juice in it, I'm still going to... Okay. <laughs> However he does it, give Koji a round of applause. Uh, 
why don't you, Isaiah, why don't you come on up here and, and, and play, because I'm going to dismiss all of you in just a few minutes. This is, this is why he hides. It's just a few reasons. I'm going to discuss the rest of them next week, but this is, this is what's happening. But I do want to ask you this important question. It is so popular to back up and go, where's God now? It's so easy and it's so popular. But how about we face some realities? Are you sure you even want to see God? Do you want to see him more? Do you want to experience his presence more? Are you sure? Don't tune me off like, oh, of course I'm sure. No, 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 no. Are you sure? Because that is going to require us being willing to say, okay, these things about me, they're not like you. And I'm going to have to give some of this up. I'm going to have to give some of this up. And the Holy Spirit will whisper into your heart. You'll know you'll have to stop doing whatever. You just feel it right here. So that being said, are you sure? That's called sacrificing for the sake of the relationship. Are, are you willing to make sacrifices to have a relationship? Or is it just so much easier just to go... I, I don't see any God. Isn't that easier? You can just keep doing that if you want to. Because if you, if you decide that you're going to get a little bit serious about this, it's going to be moments of sacrifice. But if you're going to write down one last thing on your notes, sacrifice always preludes intimacy always. Adam and Eve, you want to have a close relationship with God? You cannot have that bush. I know you want to eat from that bush. You can't. Abraham, you want to be close to God? Another man in the Bible? Prove to him that you don't love your son more than him. Make a sacrifice. All through the Bible, one after another, Jesus Christ. You want to have a personal relationship with your children in spite of the fact that they're all sinners? Are you willing to sacrifice and get on a cross over it? There's not one person that is permitted to have an intimate relationship with him where it really does feel real not willing to make sacrifices. Not one.